0: if i'm a guy who's raising money and i'm supposed to be bringing a great deal and i have a fiduciary duty to my investors i have to disclose certain things if i'm bringing a good deal and then i'm marking the good deal up my fiduciary duty to my investors has already been broken before i even have one
1: welcome to the get real podcast your high-octane boost of full-on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips. Because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey,
0: everybody. Welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. Ron Phillips, Heather Marchant, back for another episode.
1: It's a good day. although It's, it's almost Christmas,
0: <laughs> and I'm pretty excited about it.
1: Yeah, Salt Lake's determined to have a white Christmas. We have had so much snow. My husband skied eighteen inches of powder on Monday, and we just—that's just keeps piling up. Seven more inches last night. Everyone, all the skiers are happy.
0: I can't remember how many inches long my grandson is, but I <laughs> held however long he is yesterday for a long time. I mean, it was it was very pleasant. I enjoyed it.
1: That's the best. I,
0: I had dual duty yesterday. I had to um, both snuggle him and also wake him up. So they're, I don't know what's going on at the house, but they're forcing grandpa to do the ugly parts too. Nobody else could seem to wake the kid up except for, (laughs) except for me.
1: Really? What was your tactic?
0: Tickle his feet. Uh, So in case you are out there, new mom, new dad, you need to know how to wake your kid up. It's the feet.
1: Solid way.
0: Tickle the feet. So we are going to talk about something that we hear. I mean, Heather was just telling me about questions that she gets from Investors, potential investors. I get them from friends that are not <laughs> in the real estate business, and they're just like yeah. your business is fraught with scammers and just and i I wish it wish it weren't because it doesn't it gives a black eye to the real estate industry
1: mm-hmm. on an
0: ongoing basis. It seems like Heather just over and over again, it's like it's like the real estate market or the stock market just kind of goes up and then it comes down and then comes up and then comes down. so, fraud and scam just does the same thing it seems like it's cyclical but we were just talking before the show i think there is gonna be i don't know some nakedness exposed i guess as warren buffett says you can you can tell who's been swimming naked when the tide goes out i've always wondered about that too like can the people not swim with the tide <laughs> Are they just standing there? Because the tide's pretty slow. You know, now that I live down here and I I live on the water and I watch the tide go out, it's a slow process. I'm dying. That's so funny. Are you not
1: bright enough to swim out to shore? I mean out to sea. What?
0: (laughs) I mean, can you not jump out of the water and like run back to the house real quick? Are you can you not swim out? With the tide? I don't know. Work Sorry, Warren. I'm Ron, trying work. really hard to figure out your your quote. Anyway, going to be a lot of naked standing, I guess, not swimming. If you were swimming, no one would know,
1: well, but there's going to be a lot so, of naked
0: standing. There's so
1: many ways to make money in real estate, Ron. Like, so many ways that you can. I mean, I've had clients say, well, should I do this strategy? What about that strategy? Should I do a burr strategy instead of a long term rental strategy? And I've just said, that's the cool thing about real estate. Like you can do so many different things and be successful in different strategies. Mm-hmm. And then you couple that with greed and man, the possibilities are endless.
0: <laughs> and greed coupled with the ability to be very creative. So one, of the, one of the things that drew me to real estate, because I'm a really creative person, problem-solving kind of person, is that there are so many ways to skin the proverbial cat and make money in real estate without breaking the law and being unethical that Mm -hmm. i don't understand why people break the law and are unethical because you can do it (laughs) without doing that i mean we how many times have we been on the show talking about how how you can make money in real estate and not once have we come on here and said and by the way you have to be an unethical piece of crap and break the law and then you really win big and yet for whatever reason and I, I have a few observations. I think, Heather, you probably have some observations too. But a friend of mine just posted this. He knows this lady. I'm not going to say her name because it's irrelevant, but you guys can look it up if you want. This is out of Minneapolis. And one of my coaching students actually posted this on Facebook. And this woman mm-hmm. used to go to, to Real Estate Investor Association meetings to, and she would speak and she would raise money and do deals with people. And apparently, she just got sentenced to 58 months in prison, which... I mean, that's a long time.
1: That's a very long time.
0: That's a long time in prison. She's 46. if
1: she gets out early, it's a long time.
0: She's 46. She's going to miss a lot of years in the prime of her life. So not cool. In addition, she's got to pay $1.6 million worth of restitution for defrauding people. And I don't know why people don't know this. I was just talking to another one of my coaching students who happens to be an attorney. And I was talking to him about this the other day that business owners don't, there are so many business owners that do not understand that if you have multiple businesses, you can't just co-mingle funds. You can't just mix money in between your companies. And especially, I mean, that. so I say that no money raised, just your companies. Because when you do that, it eliminates the protections from the limited liability companies or the corporations that you structured to limit your liability and keep you shielded from other assets that you have or your assets shielded from you if you're the idiot doing stupid things and unfortunately when you do that it just destroys the corporate infrastructure that you created for those reasons now mix in a heavy dose of I raised money from other investors and now you've got fraud now you've committed fraud in addition to being an idiot now you've committed fraud so this lady says that she was active in the house flipping community which again this gives house flipping such a bad rap
1: yeah it's a
0: very useful important thing house flipping and we could i guess we could go into why that is in case there's some people listening that don't know it's a great way to make money but it's all it also helps the community because typically we're those people are flipping houses that are run down abandoned or in some other way not terribly functional and it turns them into something that's usable by the community. So anyway, she, was, she attended seminars and she networked with people and, and pitched this business. And then she raised money to do her deals. Right? She said that she was going to repay people in certain ways and then she didn't do it. And she made misrepresentations about the status of the projects. And we just got done talking about this, Heather. How many times yeah. I have to say this? Mm-hmm. If, the, if things aren't going well, you must tell people yeah. they're not going well. I mean it's really not much more complicated than that but in order to protect herself what she thought was protect herself from people finding out about that she didn't do what she said she was going to do and then she falsified documents to cover her tracks and she misappropriated investments for her own use which means she took other people she robbed peter to pay paul that's what that means let me just break it down she was going and getting money to fix problems that she had created that she didn't tell anybody about. And she was inviting more and more people into this hole that she had created for herself. And that, my friends, is how a decent person... I don't, I don't know this woman. Maybe she's not a decent person. Maybe she's just a complete piece of crap. I don't know. But I assume the best that she started out and has no ill intentions. It just got away from her. And all of a sudden, she's going to be in prison.
1: Yep. And probably really didn't think twice about the robbing Peter to pay Paul think. I mean, like you said, Ron, like just probably ignorant to the fact that, oh, I just asked this other investor for $50,000. I'm going to pay off this other investor and then have them on another property. And just thinking, well, it doesn't matter as long as they make money. It doesn't matter is my assumption in reading the article, right? That I think there's so much... I mean, you can get a real estate license relatively... Easily, and if you're a good public speaker, you could get people to invest with you, and then not know all the things you're supposed to know (laughs) in order to do this right.
0: Yeah, that said, there's some common sense pieces to this,
1: and not misrepresenting what's happening, and yeah,
0: the common sense thing. So I don't know about everybody else, but I was taught as a kid that you just don't lie and misrepresent, Mm. and those are one and the same thing. So there's this thing about. I remember my mom, she used to say, I would, I would say something, she would say, yeah, but that's not the whole truth.
1: Yes, yes.
0: It is the truth. It's just not the whole truth,
1: mm-hmm. which is
0: a lie. I mean, yeah. you're purposefully leaving things out that are important for people to understand when you're raising money. So if you've got a project that's going bad, we just talked about this like two episodes ago or three episodes ago or something because of the guy that's literally, that's doing this right now to me and some other investors. Mm. If the project isn't going well, and you raise money while it's not going well, you have fundamentally lied to your investors from jump street, not a great way to start a relationship. Good point. Now, why did I say at the beginning that there's gonna be a whole bunch of people standing naked? I've already explained that they wouldn't be, they have to be standing based on the fact that the tide is slow. (laughs) Otherwise, they would just swim out with the tide. But maybe they got caught in the pluff mud. For all of you who don't know what pluff mud is, it's kind of like quicksand and just stick in it. It's really hard to get out of. Really? Uh, And that's where the tide kind of comes in and out. That's what's there. So maybe that's it. Maybe Warren knows more about tidal flow than I gave him (laughs) credit for. And these people are stuck there. When the tide goes out, there they are naked. (laughs) Heather, the reason I think there's going to be a bunch more of those is because I think there's been a lot of people who have been surviving on acquisitions fees in the syndication world. Mm, Good point. I could be wrong.
1: So tell everyone what an acquisition fee is, like how that works. People that haven't heard of it before.
0: Okay. So when you do a syndication, okay, so let's say I'm Heather, let's say you and I are the, the general partners and we're going out and we're finding the deal. For finding this fantastic deal, we deserve to be paid. So it's not a real estate commission because then you need to be licensed, but you can take an acquisitions fee. So when you raise money, let's say we had a $20 million deal, we were raising $5 million. And part of that $5 million is a, I don't know, half a million dollar acquisition fee. So Heather and I just get half a million dollars for finding this deal.
1: Yeah, payday, right? And it's, it's up front when the property closes. Yeah, okay.
0: Up front and it's investor money so y'all as investors paid us half a million dollars to find you this deal okay so you would think that you're, I've, we found you a really good deal if we're getting paid to half a million dollars to find you a deal so not only are you going to get you're going to get paid all of the preferred return and then the upside and whatever the deal says you're going to get paid but in order to get in the deal you're going to pay us half mm-hmm. a million dollars now most people don't describe it that way but that's really what it is. You guys, as the investors, are paying the general partners or the sponsors for the deal they brought to the table. If it's a decent deal and they've done a whole bunch of due diligence, I mean, whether that means we would have flown to the property. We would have have paid a lot of money to do that. A lot of these deals don't work out. We just spend money. So I'm not saying people aren't owed that. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that there's a lot of people who have been getting very large acquisition fees... And they've been using those to cover up the sins of the past Mm. when deals didn't go well. Now, technically, that is not robbing Peter to pay Paul.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, that would seem like it would be different. Okay, I'm tracking.
0: But it's a symptom of a similar problem. Because if if I have to collect a massive upfront fee, take all of that money and make whole other investments, (laughs) in today's climate, you can't find as many deals therefore the acquisition fee is going to go down and now i can't cover up my mistakes anymore and that's why i think there's going to be a whole bunch of people who are going to be standing in the pluff bud stuck naked
1: yeah well and i think there's a lot of people that have been banking on the continued run on real estate that Mm -hmm. came to a halt with rising interest rates And so when you have those things in this environment that you're, again, adding a bit of greed, maybe creativity, like you mentioned as well, but then when everything stops, and it stopped pretty suddenly, then that also can cause some problems.
0: (laughs) And here's another really creative thing that people shouldn't be doing, but they're doing. And I don't think it's at scale, but there's some people who've been doing this, again, On this show, we don't name names because it's it's just not cool to do that to people. But there are people out there who are finding deals, kind of like a wholesaler. Now, just for your information, if Heather and I are the general partners, our job is to go find a great deal. Mm -hmm. And that's literally why you would invest with us because we found a great deal. So for that, we deserve to be paid an acquisition fee because we all got a great deal. All right. So let's just say all of that is good. There's also people out there, Heather, who are finding a good deal and then taking all of the good deal out of it by yeah. wholesaling it to their investment company, which is the company that makes the offering to the investors. Okay, so I don't want to make I'm sure I didn't go too fast and that people didn't understand what I just said. Let's separate us now really quick. Let, let's say that I run the investment company. And Heather is a wholesaler and she's out there bringing a fantastic deal to the table. So she went out there and she put this $20 million deal under contract for $18 million. And at $20 million, it's still a really good deal. She brings it to me and says, Ron, you can have this deal for $20 million. And I say, man, that's awesome. Yeah. And then I offer it to my people for $20 million and we raise money and do the deal. Now, Heather makes 2 million. I'm gonna make an acquisition fee up front and my investors are going to get a great deal and nobody cares because yeah. heather brought a great deal to the table that's the way a transaction is supposed to work now let's do the same transaction <laughs> except for heather and i are the general partners and the sponsors so we go find a deal and it's 18 million dollars okay without disclosing to our investors we tie the deal up in an entity that both heather and i are the owners of mm-hmm. for 18 million and then we sell that deal or we wholesale that deal to our general partnership or our management company where all of the investors play with us.
1: And probably not say anything that that's how it went down. Yeah.
0: Definitely not say anything (laughs) about that. That's how it went down. Now, that's pretty creative. Mm -hmm. Completely unethical. And as soon as I raise money and don't disclose that to my investors, also illegal. Yep. But at very minimum, completely unethical. Yes. Now, in addition to that, they're going to take an acquisition fee. So if the 2 million wasn't enough, they're going to take an acquisition (laughs) fee because, well, they're going to disclose that in the offering memorandum, right? So now they've made $2.5 million out of the gate. And my Mm -hmm. guess is, Heather, if you were an investor and I brought the deal to you and I said, hey, up front, I'm going to make $2.5 million on this deal and i'm going to pay you your preferred return and the upside is that going to increase the amount of questions you have about this deal <laughs>
1: definitely <laughs> definitely <laughs> just, i'm just like let's take the back
0: end of the deal move it to the front end of the deal guarantee that the general partners make a buttload of money and then let's make let's just make a bet a huge bet with our limited partners that this deal is going to increase in value based on the market, but yeah. have absolutely zero risk for the general partners. I'm sure the SEC would be fine with that. I don't think they're going to have any problem with that at all.
1: I think it's so interesting because I'm guessing that the person who did this set up an entity that would that would replace the wholesaler stuff, right? That they, ha- they are going out and doing the work. The wholesaling company is doing the work instead of... Looking for other wholesalers to do the work for them. So, like logically, if I'm paying wholesalers all the, or you know, if wholesalers are making money off of my business all the time, you'd probably think, huh, I should probably do this myself. So it would just make sense if you did that. That then you would say, yeah, so I have this wholesaling company, and this is that okay. they're making this much money, but it's my company and I own it. So that way you're not in hot water.
0: <laughs> over yeah, now here, well, here's the here's the difference though. If you and I. Right now in our current company, our current company, we work with rehabbers and builders and whatever. So if we wanted to knock out the middleman and we wanted to go become um, builders, mm-hmm. which neither one of us want to do, but let's just say no. we did for a second. <laughs> and we wanted to make the additional... We, there's absolutely nothing wrong with us building and taking a builder profit and then also taking a, um, a commission or referral fee profit from the brokerage because that's literally what we're doing right now no problem. Here's the difference. If I'm a guy who's raising money and I'm supposed to be bringing a great deal, if I'm raising money and I have a private placement and I have a fiduciary duty to my investors, I have to disclose certain things. And one of those things is that I've got a vested interest in making $2 million by offering this deal to you guys. Yeah, That is a material fact that everyone needs to know about. Because all of these people are giving me money to be able to acquire this property. And the acquisition fee is literally for me bringing a great deal. That's literally the purpose of it. So if I'm bringing a good deal and then I'm marking the good deal up, thus removing the, the ability for it to be as good of a deal, I, my, my fiduciary duty to my investors has already been broken before I even have one.
1: Yeah, good point. It just seems so logical to me that you it's
0: would... so shady yeah it's so shady that you would do that
1: yes Uh, and not think through that and think yeah they they need to know that
0: (laughs) now i know for a fact that there are many many companies who have been robbing peter to pay paul for at least a year Mm -hmm. some of them during the entirety of covid and they've never told anybody about it and they're about ready to get revealed and i believe that some of them will be very large companies that a lot of people have invested in and look this goes to a magnitude higher when you take money from unaccredited Mm -hmm. investors which many of these companies have have been doing good point because because now according to the government whether it is or it isn't is irrelevant according to the government when you take unaccredited investor money you have taken uneducated money which means they don't know any better which means you have a higher level fiduciary duty to those people to not take advantage of the fact that they don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Now, I know a lot of unaccredited investors who are smarter than accredited investors. I don't think that really makes a whole lot of difference in the in the scheme of things, but it doesn't make any difference. The government has said, this is the rules we're playing in. And if you don't play by the rules, it's going to hurt really bad. Yep. And almost every single situation, I guarantee with this lady that we just talked about up in in Minneapolis, I guarantee you, her deal started to go bad and she couldn't continue to raise money. That's when the whole thing unravels every single time somebody finds out. And, you know, like in my deal that I talked about like three weeks ago, Heather, the reason that I found out about it is because I know the people involved. Yeah. I know almost everybody that gave the guy money, which means... We all have part of the story. When you put all the pieces of the story together, it becomes very clear what happened.
1: That's fast. Yeah, that's true. Because you've you've essentially removed Peter, robbing Peter to pay Paul. If it's harder to raise money right now for syndications or whatever, then you've removed Peter
0: (laughs) from the situation. And therefore there is no money to pay Paul. Paul starts screaming and asking questions and there's no way to shut. Paul up anymore because you used to be able to appease Paul by robbing Peter and giving him Peter's money, and now you can't do it anymore. Yeah. And that's when the whole thing starts to unwind. And that's when ignorant business owners who realize that they could ma- raise money but have no idea how to run a business and have been commingling funds between potentially dozens of businesses unravel their entire portfolio and their personal lives to lawsuits that are going to be upcoming. Yeah. Really unfortunate. And we talk about this too, Heather. This all comes down to pride. And man, that proverb rings true right now, right? Pride cometh before the fall. Holy cow. I am telling you, if something isn't going right in one of your syndications, you just need to be yeah. honest about it. That's it.
1: I really think, Ron, that you've talked about this and kind of maybe even coined the phrase of reputation capital. And owning up to, I have a problem with one of my funds or syndications or whatever is a stain on your reputation potentially, which could unravel your future business. And I think it's this, um, yeah, combination. It's really pride and probably a bit of greed too of just like, well, then I can't continue to do what I'm doing if I admit that I have a problem, You know, which I don't think is the case. I think when we've gone to our clients and said, we have a problem, and here's what we're going to do to fix it. Not just in a syndication, actually, just in general. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we have, we made a mistake, or there's a problem. Here's how we're going to fix it. The loyalty increases. Yep. For the most part,
0: I was talking to a property manager yesterday about this very thing, and I said, you know, when we're proactive, and I was, I was talking to this manager because managers are in general reactive, and I said, in, in every instance when we know there's a problem, and we reach out to the investors and say, hey, there's a problem and this is what we're going to do to solve it. I told the guy, like I bet 70% of the time we sell another property. Yeah. In the midst of turmoil, we sell another property. And the reason is because they trust us because we're telling them the good and the bad. Yes. You have to do both. Yes. And look, I've had syndications that haven't gone well. I've talked about them openly on the show. I had two of them. But My investors, as much as I know that some of them were not happy about how things went down, they all got their money back and they all got a return on their money. It wasn't as much as we were hoping. But instead of me trying to cover something up, going and raising money on another deal, to pay these guys an increase from what their preferred return was. I just I saw there was a problem. I communicated the problem and said, look, we're going to extricate ourselves as quickly as we can from this problem. And if we do it this way, y'all are going to get all your money back and you're going to get this return. If we don't do that, I'm concerned that five years from now, we probably aren't going to be able to give you a return. Then we're going to hold the thing even longer and your returns mm-hmm. just going to, it's going to diminish over time. I don't yeah. think that people, I don't think anyone listening to the podcast right now thinks that Heather and I are infallible. Yeah. That we never make a mistake. <laughs> if you do think that, you're an idiot.
1: Well, I think just what last week we talked about how we messed up. And- yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and I was listening to a a book today and one of the things that they talked about in the book was that success literally success is you standing on a pile of failures.
1: Hmm.
0: It like the the mountain lifts you up and what is lifting you up is all of your failures. And being able to openly admit that you have completely and royally screwed something up and that you're willing to fix it is a really important piece to having other people trust you Mm -hmm. I had some of those investors in those syndications never invested with me again that's fine but many of them did immediately upon the return of their capital they invested again and several of them said that the reason why is because I was honest with them and that's the most important thing to them they didn't lose their capital and I told him the truth.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, yeah. most everything we've done, we've made really good money on. And on every single deal we've done, we've made money. But on those two instances, we didn't make as much as I thought. Not even close. On one of them, we barely made pref. And you know, that's embarrassing. So if you want to know the truth, for me, who is a very public figure, it's embarrassing. Yeah. When you have to call your investors and say, I'm sorry, this isn't going to work out how we thought it was going to work out. That's really hard to do. It was hard for me, man. I'd swallow a lot of pride to do that. And before I had to swallow a lot of pride, I had to sit and try to figure out if there was another way I could make this thing work. And once I realized I couldn't without quote being, what was the word we used as uh, creative?
1: Oh, creative. <laughs> I was like, I don't know.
0: Before, we be, before I become creatively fraudulent. <laughs> I just had to swallow my pride and call people up and say sorry this is the way it is yeah and one of those people was one of the guys who brought a lot of the people to the deal which was even more embarrassing because he knows a lot of the people in my world that i know but i think the day that i chose to do that i saved my reputation i didn't ruin my reputation and that's the thing that i think these people don't understand like this lady in minneapolis and so many others i'm getting emails constantly and texts from my friends. Have you seen this one? (laughs) No, I hadn't seen that one yet. Where if they would have just one day sat down and gone, this is not working. And I need to stop now before this hole gets so deep, I can't crawl out of it. Yep. And they choose their pride and their ego instead. And that's what sinks them. Yep. You know what the real unfortunate thing is, Heather? It's that some of these people were saved by the market and never yeah. learned the lesson and so the fall is going to be that much worse yeah the next time around because they didn't even learn a lesson the first time around
1: man i think it'll be interesting to watch it unfold maybe it feels like almost like okay get out with your popcorn like <laughs> just watch you know not that i want to see naked people standing when the tide goes out though so <laughs> yeah <stuck laughs> i don't want mud. i don't want people to suffer or struggle for sure but man, I either.
0: But uh, but if you're a syndicator and you're listening to this, or someone forward it to you, or whatever, I promise you, whatever hole you're in right now, if you're in one, it's easier out now than if you try to double down and go all in mm-hmm. with your chips. Yep. I promise. If you're just honest, tell people what's going on. It's going to be a lot easier for you.
1: Yeah, just own and it.
0: I think that the SEC and all of the other letter number combination agencies in the government, I think they're a little bit more lenient on people who make mistakes rather than people who openly defraud people.
1: Mm-hmm. And try to so cover it up.
0: Every time you lie openly and in writing, you are screwing yourself so horribly. If you're listening, if, and if you've been doing that, it's time to stop. It's time to just own it. And if you're if you're in the middle of something that's horrible and you're trying to make the decision what you should do, don't go in deeper. It's my recommendation. Agreed. That's my some recommendation.
1: Good, some good takeaways from today, really. I mean, even if you're not in these positions of, you know, investing in syndications or maybe you're not a syndicator, right? But takeaways from it of looking at the core values of a company and before you invest with someone, making sure. You know, and you, obviously, you can't tell the future, but you can you can tell a lot about a person for sure, yep. the way they talk to people, the way they live, so and how they
0: how they talk about their worst deals is important, yeah, because they've everybody's had a bad deal, at least one. Everybody in real estate's had a bad deal, So they should be able to tell you about their bad deal in a way that is i guess is vulnerable, i guess is the way that I would describe it. What I just mm-hmm. said is a vulnerable thing to do on a podcast where. You know a ton of people listen to it that i've had a bad deal and that i had investors in the bad deal the fact that i was able to give them all their money back from the deal i mean that's a great thing. that doesn't happen for everybody in, in a bad deal i mean thank god mine weren't bad enough i had to come out of pocket but it still sucks it's still a pride thing you still should be able to articulate what happened in those deals mm-hmm. i can i can very clearly and vividly remember <laughs> What happened in those deals? <laughs> I mean, they're more scarred in my mind than any of the successful ones that I've done because I'll never, I'll never do those things again. That led to those. They were my fault. I can try to put the blame on other people, but they were my fault because I didn't look at a, a specific thing, and that's what I think. I don't know. A couple months ago, we were talking about a syndication that we had looked at, and one of the metrics that was on that wasn't produced on there that I looked up on CoStar, that was a huge red flag, is because of that failure that I had. Ah. I will never, ever again go into a deal and not look at the number of multifamily deals that are being built and delivered within a year. Never, ever again will I do that. Hmm. And because of that, it destroyed our ability to have the rents that we thought we were going to have, which as everybody knows, affects the value, yeah, for sure, I was just lucky that the timing of the market allowed me to exit. if that deal were right now, we'd all be holding it, and there wouldn't be any returns yeah, for and uh, God knows sold. how long <laughs> yeah, right. I know there are hundreds of those deals sitting out there right now, potentially thousands of deals like that sitting out there right now, and well, we're about ready to find out. 2023 and 2024 are going to be the years, I think.
1: Yeah. Buckle up. Anyway,
0: Mer- anyway Merry Christmas.
1: <laughs> Cousin says Merry Christmas like fraud Merry and real estate. <laughs> <laughs> we have the Monday following Christmas. We'll, we'll be a little more cheery.
0: We'll <laughs> be very much more cheery because we don't want to bring you down after all of the presents that you've opened. That's and all right. All of the, all of the right. family time and the awesome <laughs> food. We'll keep the ball rolling. We'll have a good one. <laughs> And I mean a good... I think it's going to be a great show. What we have planned is going to be a really good show. So end the year on a positive uh, note. Good, good. All right, everybody. Gosh. I mean, get out there and make something happen. Don't be scared because what we said. Just be vigilant. That's the word of the day. Be vigilant. Love it. All right. Get out there and make something happen, folks. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.